Welcome to the Glittering Bell Jar, a Harry Potter podcast. I'm Valerie. And I'm Bree. We're two writers and Harry Potter fans. In this podcast, we explore the Harry Potter series by reading it backwards. As you might recall, Harry and his friends discover the power of the Glittering Bell Jar in the Department of Mysteries as it causes objects to move backward and forward through time. We're doing the same thing each week, working backwards through a few chapters, starting with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. Ready to explore Harry Potter in a new way? Then join us in the Glittering Bell Jar. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Glittering Bell Jar. We are in season two, covering the Half-Blood Prince, the best book of the series. If you ask Valerie and I, we are reading each chapter this time and giving it to you in 15 to 20 minute tidbits. So hopefully you're enjoying it. I, of course, am here with Valerie, our resident Hermione. How are you? I'm good, but I'm channeling a lot of Hufflepuff today. I mean, I've got yellow nails. I've got a black shirt on. I don't know. I've just been feeling it lately. It's that, well, I will say, I don't, I'm actually, I got to, this is a quite a detour. A couple weeks ago, there was a lunar eclipse and I was out there. Speaking of badgers, I'm coming around to badgers is what I'm getting to. And uh, I was out at night, in the middle of the night, taking photos. And everyone's always like, you don't need to be afraid of the dark. There's nothing in the dark that can get you. And you got to be more afraid of humans than anything else. And I'm out there in the dark. And all of a sudden I hear this demon animal making a crazy noise. (laughs) And I have no idea what it is. I think it was a possum, which is not a badger, but they kind of look like badgers. It's like the closest thing I think we have to badgers around here. And I was like, that is the scariest sounding animal. Like for as lame of an animal as it is, I mean, it plays dead. But up until it plays (laughs) dead, it's kind of like a badger. Like you do not want to mess with these creatures of that shape, size, and genetic composition. I don't know if they're related at all. I'm not really sure. I didn't Google that. So I'm not really, see, I said, I'm not feeling the Hermione bit. I'm all, I'm all badger right now. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, how are you? I am good. I'm good. I've uh, got my red wine and I'm just kind of chilling. I am ready to dive in. We are covering chapter 23 in this episode. We're covering one chapter per episode, as Brie mentioned, and this is all about Horcruxes. Chapter 23, Horcruxes. Harry has just succeeded in getting the memory of Tom Riddle and Professor Slughorn speaking of Horcruxes from Slughorn himself. Harry and Dumbledore learn from the memory that Voldemort intended and likely succeeded in creating seven Horcruxes. More importantly, Professor Dumbledore finally gets Harry to understand the difference between Harry and Voldemort and the power Harry has versus the power the prophecy has over him. Very nice. The final sentence of this chapter, where we always start when we're reading... It was, Harry thought, the difference between being dragged into the arena to face a battle to the death and walking into the arena with your head held high. Some people perhaps would say there was little to choose between the two ways, but Dumbledore knew, and so do I, thought Harry, with a rush of fierce pride, and so did my parents, that it was all the difference in the world. Yeah, this is where Harry finally takes command of his destiny, realizing, of course, he and Voldemort are going to meet at some point. There is, it's an inevitability, but not because of the prophecy, not because some other third party said anything, but simply because these two men are on an inevitable collision course. Voldemort will not stop, so Harry can't stop. Exactly. And even if Voldemort did stop chasing Harry, at this point, Harry has to stop him in general because of all the bad things he's done to the people he loves and the possibility of him doing things to future people he loves, so... So I feel like in this chapter, when we discuss it, there's kind of two parts. There's like the the memory part where Dumbledore and Harry are in Slughorn's memory. And then there's the discussion afterwards. So I don't know. Do you want to, do you have a preference for where we start one versus the other? Nope. 
You pick. Okay, well, let's start in the memory, and then we'll finish probably coming back around to what we were just on. Uh, did you catch that Tom Riddle is using legitimacy on all kinds of people as a young man in Hogwarts? Wow, you're right. No, but off, that's exactly what he's doing. Holy yes. smokes! Yeah, right. I just learned. I just figured that out while reading it because we've we've read this scene before, parts of this scene before. And Bughorn says, "I must say, I'd like to know where you get your information, boy. More knowledgeable than half the staff, with your uncanny ability to know things you shouldn't, and your careful flattery of people who matter." He's literally reading people's minds. And this is, again, the, the legitimacy, occlumency magic that I don't quite understand because Harry always knows when Snape enters his mind, putting an asterisk on that. He's going into other people's minds and nobody's realizing it, which is a wild, wild ability that Voldemort seems to have. Uh, I'm just still shocked. So <laughs> you're so right. Like that makes so much sense. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I will say then it's, it's obviously that would be how Voldemort, how Tom Riddle knows that Hagrid has Aragog hidden away. He's, he's literally just able to tune into people all around him and get that information to manipulate the players on the stage, which suddenly makes a lot more sense of how he gains power Yeah, because he just is able to work people better than others. But okay, coming back to this, I, I think I need to do a deep dive about this occlumency and legitimacy magic because I don't understand how people aren't knowing when Voldemort is going into their minds. Because Harry always knows. But then again, Harry is super sensitive to people entering his mind because Voldemort can't enter his mind and Snape, he, feel, he feels it more than other people. I don't know if he has a special resistance or awareness of people entering his mind compared to others. I don't, I'm not sure. That was my asterisk. But anyway, yeah, Tom Riddle in people's heads, getting the information to manipulate them. No wonder he is, he ascends to power. Also super interesting that he can't get Dumbledore to do what he wants. So I wonder if Dumbledore's always kind of, or becomes aware and like uses occlumency against him, like defends his own mind because he knows that Tom Riddle just has this weird ability to get into people's heads, literally. So I think with occlumency, my guess is that um, it's kind of, a, it's like a constant shield to me um, when you become so good at it. So Dumbledore may not even know that he's trying, but he just constantly has his shield up because you have to think Snape, anytime he's around Voldemort, would have to have it up. So it's probably just constantly up. Hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, we've talked about how Snape is different in past episodes because Snape has to let Voldemort in enough that Voldemort feels mm -hmm. like he's seeing the true Snape. Like if if Snape has a full shield up, if we just think of it physically, Voldemort's going to be like, what are you hiding from me, bro? Yeah. Like, so he has to have like a Swiss cheese shield where Voldemort can enter just enough to like feel like he can trust Snape. Whereas Dumbledore, I'm sure, has a full shield on his mind. And Voldemort just, or Tom Riddle just was like, I can't get in and I know you're defending yourself against me, but we're mortal enemies. So it's, I expect this to be mm. the case. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm going to need you to, to do a deep dive. And if we have to, we can have an entire episode on this because I am so, like, intrigued by it. Okay. Okay. I can do that. I'll do a little bit more. I mean, I don't know that there's much more out there, but it's a, it's this important magic that we're discovering, you know, and we haven't even gotten, we haven't even gotten into Order of the Phoenix where it's super important there also. Like, it just is pivotal that these people can enter each other's minds and read each other's thoughts and see each other's memories. And it's not very well explained. So now we're discovering that and I want to know more. Yeah, no, for sure. Me too. And can Harry actually feel that he's... I thought that Harry just knew it was happening because he knew that Snape could do it. I didn't know that he could actually feel it. See, the way it's described in Sectumsempra, last episode we talked about it, Harry literally, his vision changes and he like sees what Snape is looking for in his mind. Mm. 
he like sees a vision of his advanced potion making book. And he's like, dang it, now Snape knows that I have his potion book and he's going to ask me for it. But he sees it, so he knows it. Mm. It's not like it just happens and he, True. you know, he feels him, but he doesn't know what he's looking for. Yeah, and maybe he just has some of the power that Voldemort has. So he's just really good at it too because, you know, he has some of Voldemort's powers. Mm. Mm-hmm. That could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good guess. So that's what I have from the memory. Do you have anything else from the memory? Um, you know, I just, I found it interesting that, and I feel like we can talk about this more in hopefully future chapters, but again, there's similarities between Harry and Tom Riddle because Harry even says um, Voldemort was a master at flattery. Just like he literally says, like I have had to do in many situations, careful flattery, people around him are admiring him, even though he's not the, you know, not necessarily the oldest boy in the room. And I found I found all that interesting that they just have so many similar similarities. And I believe we've talked about this before, but it just reinstates why Dumbledore chose not to allow Harry to be a prefect. Because that was maybe a mistake he felt happened with Tom Riddle, because Tom Riddle was a prefect, someone that already had a big Harry doesn't have a big head, but he saw the similarities probably and was worried that that would just increase his desire for power. Yeah, power corrupts. Oh, yeah. I will say, though, I'm not sure who Harry Harry Weedle's information out of other than Hagrid, who's frankly terrible at keeping information <laughs> to himself. Like, who else does Harry have to get information out of other than Slughorn, which he does with the help of Felix? Hmm. I feel like we'll find that out in this. Okay. Okay. We'll keep an eye out for it as we move backward. Because I'm like, yeah, I agree. He does have to do that. But it's against Hagrid. And Hagrid's kind of a softball. Like, it's pretty easy. You just got to get him drunk or talk to him about something else this direction. And he gets distracted and accidentally spills the beans. (laughs) (laughs) True. I might be moving outside the memory. But I want to understand Horcruxes maybe a little more. Um, That's something I'm kind of like, it's an interesting magic. And I didn't realize Voldemort was ready to tear apart his soul and create a Horcrux, according to Dumbledore, the night he tried to kill Harry. And so that is why part of his soul latched onto Harry. So that means the magic that you have to do, the spell you do, is before you go kill the person. It's like a preparation, like a pre-surgery, pre-op. You know, like you got to prepare your soul to be split. And then when the opportunity arises for it, when it is split by the act of murder, you've prepared it and it can, the piece of soul can then go latch on to the thing you're designating it to, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't quite understand it because if you kill and it splits your soul... But you still, it still stays like together. You just don't choose to latch it on to another object. I wonder if the idea here, and I kind of had a note about that too. I wonder if the idea in that is that when you kill someone Mm -hmm. broadly, the broad philosophy of Horcrux magic is that when you kill someone, whether or not you do the spell, your soul is torn and part of it leaves you forever. Like you are no longer whole. And they kind of talk, like Dumbledore and Snape kind of talk about that in The Prince's Tale, how, you know, when Dumbledore makes Snape promise, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, destroy Malfoy's soul, Snape, only you know if your soul can bear the weight of what I'm asking you to do. Like, if you don't do the magic, your soul's gonna, part of your soul's gonna split no matter what. That's what murder does. That is a reality. Which, I don't know, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. I think you could probably argue that that is sort of what happens, that, that the act of taking another person's life does does destroy part of you. Uh, and some people aren't fully whole to begin with, which is why they do it a lot. Anyway, um, but here, you know, so what happens is then Voldemort goes to, he's planning to make a Horcrux when he kills Harry. 
but he doesn't have to do any prep. He knows that the act of murdering Harry is going to split his soul, but he actually kills Lily and James. I don't know if that does it twice, not really sure. Anyway, he does that, but then he doesn't do the spell. So when his soul jettisons, it just tries to latch on to something. Okay, yeah. I don't really know. Like, if he'd had, like, I don't know, a magic cup, he could have said the spell, you know, if he had succeeded in the act of killing the Potters and killed, you know. He didn't go there to kill Lily and James either. He went there specifically to try and kill Harry. I'm not really sure. Right, but wouldn't that mean that anyone who killed anyone, their soul would just be latching on to random people and random things? That's, I mean, that's sort of what it suggests. But they also, I mean, there is that whole line that kind of like uh, solves a lot of problems where Dumbledore's like, you're going to encounter magic that's never been encountered before. <laughs> so it's like, no, because it's Voldemort and Harry. The, the, that's the punchline. <laughs> okay, fair. Solves a lot of problems, you know. I don't know. <laughs> but it's because it's Voldemort and Harry. <laughs> I will say, speaking of Horcruxes, I love how this chapter does do a lot of my favorite, like, tying back into further parts of the series. So we get the, the diary from the Chamber of Secrets, like... I don't know if J.K. Rowling knew then she was writing a horcrux, but she had this object she had written about that fit perfectly into the model of the story later. I don't know how, whether it was chicken or egg, but it works perfectly. You've got the ring. You know, it all kind of fits together, and I love that consistency and cohesion. The other thing I would say is that regarding the other objects, so they go from talking about the known horcruxes, the destroyed horcruxes, to like what could they be, I think it's really interesting how in the scene where Dumbledore is describing what Voldemort picks to be his horcruxes, he's kind of giving Harry some of that education on like, Tom Riddle has a very specific way of doing magic. I want you to learn to recognize this magic because when you recognize him and you can tap into that, you'll understand him and you can then defeat him. It's not just about being like, these objects are the important thing. It's like, look at how Tom Riddle operates, unpack that, and then look for patterns around you and you'll find the things that actually fit to be able to defeat him in the end. We talked about that a couple episodes ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he absolutely does. And that's kind of the magic of Dumbledore. He has a way of informing people and educating them all at the same time. I was just going to say when he's talking about that, it is interesting that he says that he wasn't able to secure the sword of Gryffindor. Because had he been able to secure the sword of Gryffindor, it, it wouldn't have saved Harry during the Chamber of Secrets. Then it couldn't have had the basilisk, basilisk fang, um, the venom, and then he couldn't have destroyed the Horcruxes. So it's all, again, things that uh, Voldemort does that prevent him from, or that cause mm -hmm. his own death. Yeah, it's also interesting, and I don't know if we'll see this in the scene when we get to it in this book, where Voldemort, the Tom Riddle Voldemort, he's kind of like in between, when he comes back to interview for the teaching position and meets Dumbledore in his office for the interview. The only other object that would have fit this criteria is the sorting hat. And the sorting hat is what holds the sword of Gryffindor. As far as we know, like when it's not in ownership, we don't really know where it is until Harry pulls it out of the, of the hat. So it's kind of interesting because like the only other object that might have fit the mold of what Voldemort would want is sitting in the office with Dumbledore and he can't get access to it. So it's important that Voldemort doesn't, it's the only other thing that could work really. Because it's like a founder object from mm. way back and highly magical. Yeah. Is it a Gryffindor object though? It's just a, it's just a founder object. I think it's officially taken from Gryffindor's head. I think that's the origin story we learn at some point in the series, but I can't exactly remember. Mm. Interesting. I think the Sorting Hat tells his own origin story at some point. He's like, whipped me off my head and brought me to life. And now I sort people. Aren't, don't I have the best job ever? I get to write songs all the time. 
Oh, yes. Uh, so what else did you find? Okay, I have one more note in this chapter. And it's actually, I, I love this note. And it's funny I say I love it because it's all about this idea that love is this super protective magic that Harry just can't wrap his head around. And I want Dumbledore to be like, I know you hate to think about it, but remember the room you couldn't get into in the Department of Mysteries because they're, they don't understand it. The magic is so powerful, they literally lock it away. That magic was love. That's how powerful it is. So stop arguing with me that this is not important for you to have this ability. This is the most powerful magic we know. We don't understand it. And you have it in spades, man. You got it. Just use it. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Even Dumbledore is like getting frustrated with him. Like it's, it's not just, oh, love. Like this is a huge deal. This is an amazing magic that Voldemort has dismissed, cannot use, and does not have. And it's a miracle that Harry has because he lost his parents. He was raised in a traumatic, abusive household. He's gone through incredible trauma as a young man, and he still is able to be a courageous, loving person and embrace people and forgive them and protect them like Malfoy. You know, like, it's not just that, that Voldemort doesn't have it. It's that Harry, despite having a very similar upbringing, does still have it. That's incredibly important. And Harry sees it kind of. He kind of gets there in the end, but he's got, it's a journey for him. He's the, he's the hero on his journey, and this is the journey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fair. I, I too would be like, oh, great. Yeah, I love. Ooh. <laughs> right. That's why I want to be like, bring up the Department of Mysteries. Bring up the magic that nobody understands that you have, that you shouldn't have. Like, that's important. You'll remember that. Very true. Yeah. That's all I had from this one. I just, I was like, hearkening back to the Department of Mysteries. Because I think last season we said we would both want to work in the Department of Mysteries, right? That's what we, mm -hmm. when we were doing our Gilderoy Lockhart style quiz. Yeah. And, you know, if you're listening and you listened to us last season, you're like, they're not doing the quiz. We are not doing the quiz this season mostly because we're doing so many episodes and we're trying to keep them short. We may bring it back in the future. We may do it in the interseason break at some point. But yeah, we're taking a break right now from the quiz. Yeah, cool. Well, that is all I had. This was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, thank you all for joining us for another episode. If you have any thoughts on this episode, please, please, please head to your podcast player, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. There's so many. Give us a five-star review, even if you hated it. I just give us a five-star anyways. Uh, and then, you know, tell us all about it in your review. Just give us a scathing review with that five-star. 800 words. We want a long <laughs> review. Absolutely. Make it long. We want to get exciting. roasted. Roast us. Roast us in those reviews. It's fine. As long as you write something. <laughs> <laughs> right. And also give us five stars. Um, if you don't want to do that, please, uh, you can head to our social media. Yep. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at BellJarPod bell jar pod kind of sounds like you know the podcast name you can find us there you can dm us you can duet us you can do i don't know i'm not the one in charge of it so i probably shouldn't tell people what to do <laughs> but you can find us there i actually do see all the dms i just let brie answer most of them because she's way better at social media than i am and you can email us if you have something you don't want to share publicly you don't want to write that 800 word roast on apple podcasts with your two little thumbs which i personally would not either i'd write it on my computer and copy paste it anyway you can email uh, podcast at followthebutterflies.com. Followthebutterflies.com is my Harry Potter blog. You can find a ton more there if you need more Harry Potter in your life. If this episode was not long enough, uh, you can also just, you know, wait a couple days and there'll be some new episodes because we're doing daily episodes when we're releasing this season. Before we wrap everything up, one last request. Share this podcast with somebody who would have enjoyed playing Quidditch. Not being a spectator, not the Hermione's, but the Rons and Harry's and Ginny's out there. You know, there's a difference. There's the people who like to watch the sports. There's the people who like to play the sports. We want you to sell. We want you to share us with the people who like to play the sports because you know we like sports. We like Quidditch. So invite them on over. And with that, we will see you next time. See you.
The Glittering Bell Jar is a Harry Potter podcast produced by the Calibro Group in partnership with Wild Goose Creatives. It is an unofficial fan project that is not authorized, approved, licensed, or endorsed by J.K. Rowling, her publishers, or Warner Brothers Entertainment Incorporated. Our theme music is Carnival of the Animals R125, Aquarium by Moments, licensed via Soundstripe. You can discover even more magic on followthebutterflies.com.